Don't turn it on, please. I don't even. I think I forgot the lyrics to that damn song. I'm gonna have to listen to it all over again. I haven't heard it. I just hit the button and push play. But I'm gonna have to listen to that all over again. Anyway, it's your man Ben's Pharrell. We're thinking out loud. How's everybody doing this morning? I hope everybody's all right. It's Sunday, uh, August 6, 2023. All right. These are the reports that I ran into. All right. China and Russia send naval warships near Alaska. All right. Triggering forceful U.S. response. China and Russia conducted a joint naval operation near U.S. territory earlier this week, triggering a large response from the U.S., the United States Navy. The joint operation conducted by two significant American adversaries. All right. The joint operation was conducted by two significant American adversaries. All right. Goddamn the ops, the opposition consisted of 11 ships and near near the Alaska's south, southwestern coast. It consists of 11 ships and it's close by the Alaskan southwestern coast, according to the According to Senator Dan Sullivan, a Republican from Alaska, who was briefed on the matter earlier this week by U.S. defense officials. Mr. Sullivan said the U.S. Navy ultimately mobilized four destroyers to guide the Chinese and Russian ships away from the American waters. All right. This is unprecedented. In terms of the size and scope of this joint naval task force between Russia and China working very closely together, Sullivan, Republican, uh, the senator, told news sources in a phone interview late Saturday, whether you live in Alaska like I do or on the east coast of the United States, a very large surface action task force between our two main adversaries probing very closely to the United States shores is concerning. It just it just solidifies this idea that we've entered a new era of authorit- authoritarian 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 I'm sorry authoritarian authoritarian aggression led by the dictators in Beijing and Moscow who are increasingly aggressive. He continued, my back, man, I ain't mean to, like, jump on the authoritarian, but I could change that word and just swap it out with uh, the leader, the leaderships, a new area, a new area of, like, leadership or new era of administration led by dictators in Beijing and Moscow who are increasingly aggressive. He continued. I'm going to just put it like that. You see what I'm saying? You know how my podcast is. I'm not just going to skim through the words and not break it down to you because that's not what we do here. Uh, The Wall Street Journal first reported the joint Chinese and Russian operations on Saturday. In addition to the four destroyers mobilized, the U.S. also sent P-8 Pezodon aircraft, 
Poisodon aircraft to shadow the Chinese and Russian ships away from the Alaskan coast, according to the Wall Street Journal. The ships neared the Aleutian Islands, but never entered the U.S. territorial waters. Sullivan added that the American response was considerably improved compared to a similar, albeit smaller, incident that occurred in September. All right? A similar situation, just like what I'm reporting to you now, happened on September, but it was smaller. A smaller incident that occurred on September, the U.S. sent a single Coast Guard cutter after it noticed a Chinese-guided missile cruiser alongside two other Chinese ships and four Russian ships about 90 miles north of the Aleutian Islands on September 19, 2022. Damn, right on my birthday? God damn. September 19, 1982, that's when I was born, guys. But whatever, we talking about this. We ramped that up significantly. Four U.S. destroyers and air assets, P-8s, that were tracking and monitoring the large-scale Russian-Chinese task force quite closely so that it is a significant improvement, said Sullivan. That's a lot of naval power up here demonstrating American resolve. I'm going to continue to press whether it's the Obama administration, Trump administration, now it is the Biden administration to commit more naval, Coast Guard and Marine presence and assets in this part of America, he added. See, at this point, as I'm reading this, I'm starting to feel like these are fucking back and forth with the Democrats and Republicans. Remember how I broke down how these politicians like to play games, especially on the media and stuff like that, because they want to play war games and stuff. So now I don't even know if this report is true. All right. I cannot verify these are facts. This is just probably Senator Mr. Sullivan. All right. Uh, Mr. Sullivan is probably just playing, playing games or something like that because the reports are coming from him and then uh, the Wall Street Journal. So you don't know if this was meticulously, like maliciously reported just to mess with the public head. I'm just trying to show you something, guys. You see what I'm saying? All right. All right. Let me see what he added. To commit more naval coast guard and marine presence and assets in this part of America, he added, and the Biden administration more broadly needs to get serious about serious, robust defense budgets. You hear me? All right? All right. The White House didn't immediately respond to a request for comment. The Pentagon referred to news sources uh, the U.S. Northern Command, which also didn't immediately respond to a request for comment, all right? It is a historical first. Brent Sadler, a senior research fellow at the Heritage Foundation, told the Wall Street Journal, given the context of the war in, U in Ukraine and tension... All right, it is the first... Sorry if I had to repeat myself because I'm on another track and I don't even remember where I ended at, but I know I'm in this last paragraph right here, so forgive me. It's the, it is the historical first, said 
Brent Sadler, a senior researcher, fellow at the Heritage Foundation, told a new told a Wall Street Journal, given the context of this war that's happening in Ukraine and tensions around Taiwan, this is most this move is highly provocative. That's what Mr. Brent Sadler says. Damn, a lot of fumbling on words this morning. I don't know what's going on with me. Yo. I don't, I'm not feeling none of that. But at least I reiterate that shit. That's, I'm not finna just like skim through it and not say nothing about what I just misread or misquote. And then I confuse the listener because I am not confusing no listener. You know what I'm saying? I'm more worried about the listener, all right? Then trying to make myself look good. Hell nah. Fuck that. I'm fumbling these words. Okay, sorry. But guess what? I'm going to doggone make sure that I reiterate, re-emphasize, all right? Repeat till the transparency is 100% clear. Did you get that, ladies and gentlemen? I know you did. Let's go. Let's move further. All right, let's see what's going on. All right, don't want to talk about the Biden administration. I don't want to talk about none of that. A burglar takes a break from robbing a home to cozy up with an overfriendly family dog. Uh, sounds cute, but who want to talk about that? Not me. So let me see. Gymnast returned to the mat after stunning fans with a rough withdrawal from the Olympics. All right. Might, I might jump on that. Hold up. Wait a minute. A golfer arrested for punching an 87-year-old man to death over a car dispute. Oh, shit. What's going on, America? We got to stop this nonsense. Why are we hitting each other, putting hands on people? You're not supposed to do that. All right? That's wrong. A Florida suspect was recently arrested for manslaughter after allegedly beating up a man on a golf course in June. Robert Edward Moore, a junior, 76 years old, was charged with one of one count of af- aggravated manslaughter on an elderly person. On July 27th, the victim, 87-year-old Dean William Zook, died weeks after the confrontation due to the injuries he incurred. According to an arrest affidavit, the incident began at the Glenview County Club in the villages on June 28th, and right, the victim accidentally hit a car that Moore believed was his, prompting a confrontation. At the time, an unknown white male subject approached the scene of the minor incident and exclaimed, what the hell, you hit my car, the Alpha Alpha David read. The victim admitted to hitting the vehicle with his vehicle and asked to exchange insurance information. I didn't even know you could do that. The unknown subject then struck the 87-year-old victim in the jaw with a closed fist, punching him backwards. So he punched him from the back. That's what the writer was supposed to write down. The victim admitted to hitting the vehicle with his vehicle and actually exchanged insurance information. And then the unknown subject then struck him, the 87-year-old victim, in the jaw with a closed fist. 
He hit him from the back, all right? Zook attempted to protect himself with his hands, but he was unable to. Mr. Moore left after realizing that the car did not belong to him. <laughs> Whoa. During the interview with the deputies, Zook began to slur and became unsteady. He was transported to a local hospital where doctors discovered that his brain was bleeding. Uh, Zook passed away on July 16th, a day before his 88th birthday. Authorities were able to arrest Mr. Moore after they discovered an article about him scoring a hole in one on November 2022. He was wearing the same shorts, shoes, and sunglasses as he was during that particular incident. All right, so Mr. Moore reportedly told deputies that he thought Zook was trying to flee the scene of an incident. He also said that he was unaware of the victim's age. The defendant also admitted to knowing the victim was older and appeared to be frail, but stated he did not think he was 87 years old. The affidavit stated Moore was arrested without incident and transported to the Sumter County Detention Center. He was held on a $30,000 bond. All right, so Sumter County Sheriff's Office is actively, actively investigating this incident. All right, so that shit is crazy. So the Florida golfer is arrested for punching an 87-year-old man. And that 87-year-old man had his brain bleeding. Then a couple of weeks later, he passed away right before his 88th birthday. That is sad. I know the victim's family are very upset, and that caused problem. Uh, Robert Edwards Moore Jr., that's the suspect, 76 years old, he's pretty old himself, was charged with one count of aggravated manslaughter on an elderly person on July 27th. The victim, 87-year-old Dean Williams Zook, that's the victim, died weeks after the confrontation due to the injuries he incurred, according to an arrest affidavit. All right, the incident began at the Glenview County Club in the Villages on June 28th. The victim accidentally hit the car that Moore believed was his, all right, prompting a confrontation. At the time, an unknown white male subject approached the scene of the minor accident. All right. He approached that scene. It was a minor accident. It wasn't nothing serious. And exclaimed, what the hell? You hit my car. The Alpha David was red. The victim admitted to hitting, you know, uh, the victim accidentally hit the car that Moore believed was his, prompting the confrontation. At the time, an unknown white male subject approached the scene of the minor incident. Yeah, I already told y'all that. My back. The victim admitted to hitting the vehicle with his vehicle and asked to exchange insurance information. All right. The unknown subject then struck the 87-year-old victim in the jaw with a closed fist. All right. And then, and then it read pushing them backwards. Okay. That's why I was like, at first I was like, he hit him from the back. Because I was just skimming through the goddamn 
article and stuff. Now I'm like going through it, pushing him backwards when he hit him. All right, Robert Edwards Moore. All right, he hit Mr. Zook, attempted to protect himself. Mr. Zook, he was trying to protect himself, but he wasn't able to. All right, Moore left after realizing that the car did not even belong to him. You see what I'm saying? During an interview with deputies, Zook began to slur and became unsteady. He was transported to the local hospital where doctors discovered that his brain was bleeding. Zook passed away on July 16th, a day before his 88th birthday. All right, authorities were able to arrest more after they discovered an article about him scoring a hole in one on November 2022. He was wearing the same shorts, shoes, and sunglasses as he was during the same incident. To this old man, he probably cynical or something like that. Or, um, What's that word that I'm looking for? I forgot. This when old people was when when older, especially males, when they get real old and stuff like that, and then they become very you know, sometimes they become unruly and stuff like that. Sounds like he's going through that. Let me see if I'm gonna find something else, man. One more, just to make this you know a podcast a real podcast segment i don't want to talk about no world war ii hell nah nfl great with als admitted to nah well uh, will smith shares regrets over kids careers nobody in my family was happy yeah a suspect arrested for allegedly stomping on 71 year old woman's face damn what the fuck is going on with these people nowadays man why are you picking up on picking on older people meet the american who taught jack daniel to make whiskey nearest green well i remember um Lovely T covered this, you know. I'm not scared to say her name because I will give everybody credit. None of us ain't perfect. So for the ones who think that they are better than other people, shame on you, nigga. All right? Let me tell you something here that some of y'all might not want to listen to. Black people are very entertaining and very uh, intellect. Especially, we're very articulate on what we are reporting on, all right? Ladies and gentlemen, do you hear me so far? We are very amazing people, and there's people that like to bank our, off of our culture. You see what I'm saying? They like to bank off of it. They don't have no content without us. With that being said, tread lightly for the ones who think that they more superior than us because you got a white skin. All right? I'm going to leave it at that. This is Ben Pharrell with Thinking Out Loud. Just in case you ain't know who you listening to. Moving along. The Meet the American Who Taught Jack Daniel to Make Whiskey. Nearest Green, Tennessee Slave and Master Distiller. Master Distiller. All right? Nathan Nearest Green rose from the inhumanity of slavery to lift American spirits around the world. Mr. Green lived in bondage in the years before the Civil War. 
he operated a, a farmhouse distillery for minister slave owner. For minister slave owner and grocery store operator Dan Call in Lynchburg, Tennessee. <laughs> it was there that the middle-aged African-American distiller taught a poor, hard worker, hard-working and curious preteen Scots-Irish boy named Jack Daniel how to make whiskey on a barnyard still in backwoods America, all right? It was there that the middle-aged African-American distiller taught a poor, hard-working and curious preteen Scot-Irish boy named Jack Daniel how to make whiskey on a barnyard still in the backwoods of America. I had to repeat that twice so you can hear, hear what I'm talking about. That boy opened Jack Daniel's distillery in 1866. He hired Mr. Green, newly emancipated a year earlier as the operation first master distiller. We think there was a special bond between Jack and Mr. Nearest and Jack and Nearest family. Jack Daniels historian Nelson Eddy told news sources that Green's descendants have worked at the distillery since its inception. They still help produce the whiskey till this day, more than 150 years later, he stated. Jack Daniels, Tennessee, sour mash whiskey is the top selling whiskey and most globally recognized spirit made in the United States. The Jack Daniels brand is so deeply and uniquely American, it should have its own marching band, fight song, and football team. Yet the signature processes behind Jack Daniels and Tennessee whiskey in general include techniques some experts argue known in Western Africa where conquered tribesmen, Green's ancestors were sold into slavery to Europeans and shipped around the world. Yes, Jack Daniels, like most Every most everything profoundly American boasts international influences. All right, Green's story has long been known to spirits historians and shared by the Jack Daniels Distillery. It's a story of a black and white working together. You can boil it down to something really that simple and really human. Charles K. Cowdery, author of the book Bourbon Straight. The uncut and unfiltered story of American whiskey. Uh, but Green's influences is gaining wider audiences now. Thanks in large in part to nearest Green's distillery. Distillery, all right? Thanks in large. Thanks to the nearest Green distillery in Shelbyville, Tennessee which has earned critical acclaim for its products and praise for its devotion to whiskey history since opening in 2017. Nearest Green is definitely the godfather of Tennessee whiskey, Fawn Weaver, founder of Nearest Green Distillery, said in 2019 interview with Fox Businesses, Fawn Weaver is a woman, she's, um, the author, historian, and co-founder of the Nearest Green Foundation and Nearest Green Distillery. 
attends, she attends, she, there's like a picture of her where she attends the Essence Humanity of Connection event at the New York Historical Society on June 10th, 2019. All right, you know what I'm saying? It's a young black lady. She's representing that stuff, and she's, you know, showing who's really behind the Jack Daniels brand, who really created it, all right? See what I'm saying? And then he showed the Scottish boy, you know, he came from a poor, he's a poor immigrant, and they came together and created something that's still branded today, and it's the biggest. Everybody done sipped on Jack Daniels. I done sipped on Jack Daniels. Sipped on Jack Daniels, honey, for goodness sake. You know, we all sipped on it, you see what I'm saying? Us uh, uh, excluding excluding the ones who don't drink, all right? Me, I, I slow down drinking. I really slow down big times. I only have like a couple of beers. Make just a couple and that's it, you know? I might throw a grenade in my goddamn beer. A grenade is a is an airplane bottle of liquor, and then you just like put it together. We call that grenade. Back in my military days, you're like, man, we're gonna throw a grenade on the goddamn beer. You know what I'm saying? That will, uh, that will spice up your night, all right? So, anyway, whiskey maker Uncle Nearest. Nathan Nearest Green was born around 1820 in Maryland, most likely in Baltimore. Little is known about his early life. Little is known about his early life. A more complete picture emerges in later years as Green enjoyed emancipation in the wake of the Civil War. His friends and family call him Uncle Nearest, according to research by the Nearest Green Distillery. Uncle is a term that was used in Lynchburg as an indication of respect for both whites and blacks. At the time, Nearest was greatly respected in Lynchburg as a mentor and the best whiskey maker in the area. He appears to have enjoyed a full life and freedom. Uh, <laughs> The 1880 census list green, written down as nearest green, most likely a misspelling, as 60 years old. It shows him married to Harriet, just 40 years old, and with a full brood of nine children. Several of his children worked at Jack Daniels Distillery in its earliest days. He arrived at Dan's Calls Lynchburg Farm sometime in the mid-1800s. Among other duties, he was charged with operating the farmhouse distillery. All right. It was a natural job for enslaved labor, said Cowdery, refer referencing that period of time, that time in America history, it's dirty and it's hard and it's dangerous. Soon Green would mentor a poor little boy in a relationship that would change the destinies of two families and shape the future of American spirits. Jasper Newton. Jack Daniel was born into freedom, but not ease. The details of his early life are also unknown. He was born in Lynchburg around 1848 the youngest of 10 children. Daniel's mother died soon after he was born, no more than a few months later. He was about 10 years old when he went to work for Minister Call, 
and he was around 15 years old when his father, serving in the Confederate Army, died of, a, died of pneumonia in 1863. Jack Daniel was a teenage orphan. He worked as a toy boy for the preacher, milking cows, feeding slops to pigs, getting water from the spring house, and all the other things farm hands do, according to the nearestgreen.com. The allure of distillery captured his curiosity. He began working with Green, reportedly with the blessing of a landowner. Landowner, my back, landowner call. Mr. Call, Minister Call, y'all. All right. I don't know what's wrong with my mouth. Sometimes I try to pronunciate. And then, you, I, remember, I told you I got Bell's palsy on the left side of my face. Like, sometimes it interferes when I'm talking and stuff like that, especially when I'm reading, you know? And, all right, but moving forward. All right, so the allure of the distillery captured his curiosity. He began working with Green reportedly with the blessing of the landowner, Mr. Call. The poor white orphan boy and the enslaved middle-aged black distiller proved a dynamic duo by all accounts. He wasn't a privileged boy. He was a worker, like Nearest reports, Nearest.Green reported. Green gave Daniel a master class on the intricacies of a spirit made only in America. Sour mash, charred oak barrel age, and charcoal filtered corn whiskey. Charcoal, charcoal, not coil, but charcoal. The coals that you put, that you use when you got them grilling outside. All right, charcoal filtered corn whiskey, Tennessee whiskey, in other words. The processes that make it so smooth were all known by the 19th century and in many cases improved and perfected by, ensla by enslaved dist uh, distillers. Corn-based sour mash whiskey aged on charred oak barrels is common in most American whiskeys. Tennessee whiskey is unique largely by one process, charcoal filtering. All right, the distilled liquor is filtered through sugar maple charcoal, charcoal before it's aged. I'm trying to make sure I say the word charcoal so the listener can hear what I'm saying because you never know, you're probably going to open somebody else's mind to make their own liquor. You know what I'm saying? So it's believed by many whiskey and food historians to have been brought in by slaves who were already using charcoal to filter their water and purify their foods in West Africa, reports from the nearest um, green.com website. Both Caldry, the whiskey author, and Eddie, all right, the company's historian, dispute the African origins. Regardless, Tennessee whiskey requires intricate science and craftsmanship on a level remarkable in the 1800s for what was essentially backwoods moonshining. All right, so Jack Daniel, the spirit namesake, 
appears to have learned it all from nearest green, according to distillery historian Eddie. The two men develop a relationship deeper than just co-workers. I would consider nearest a mentor for Jack, said Eddie. I will tell you this. There was, so, there was something more going on here. He was heavily influenced by Nearest in many ways. Green, known to play fiddle, reportedly fueled Daniel's lifelong passion for music. Nathan, Nearest Green, died around 1890. His final resting place is unknown. No known picture of him exists, but his impact is still felt around the world. Jack Daniels Charcoal Mellowed Sour Mash Tennessee Whiskey is a prized symbol of excellence in American spirits craft around the world. Green's impact is most notably felt in Lynchburg. His family went on to become one of the biggest landowners in the region, according to Eddie. Two of his descendants, Jerome Vance and Jackie Harden, still work at the distillery to this day. Another Debbie, Debbie Staples recently retired. There has never been drop. Ne there's never have been a drop of Jack Daniels made without a member of the Green family working somewhere in the company, said whiskey historian Cowdery. Jack Daniels today is owned by international wine and spirits conglomerate Brown Foreman. It manages a vast complex of global trade distribution and marketing logistics. It really is a huge company, said Calgary, but at the distillery in Lynchburg, it really is local people working there for years. It has a very familial feel, right? The relationship between Green and Daniel that made Tennessee whiskey an icon appears forged by a shared human bond, the struggles of orphan and slave. This story is bigger than whiskey, said Mr. Eddie. It's the story of a relationship between two men, the distillery, and two families. All right, y'all. Had to make sure that I put that in there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to cut this apple pie short. Have you ever had apple pie, cherry pie? Pecan pie. I hope somebody did. I like pecan pie. Sometimes I warm it up. But screw the pie. It's thinking out loud. It's your man Ben Sparrell. Yes, sir. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is Box Benji. That's B-O-X-B-E-N-J-I. And you can use that same name to follow me on Instagram. That's Box Benji. Box Benji for Twitch. Box Benji for Rumble, all right, for the TikTok, which I'm mostly active on, that is underscore Murder Envy, that is underscore M-U-R-D-E-R-E-N-V as in Victor, I-I, that's Murder Envy, underscore Murder Envy, so I'm going to hit you with another segment, don't you dare worry your little pretty head off, it's a man Ben Sparrell, peace. It's the Harlem night. Gonna turn it up, please. Them Harlem nights. Gonna turn it up, please. I done fell in love with. Gonna turn it up, please. Them Harlem nights. Party at the Bodega.